So just give me a quick second here to kind of go back over the divisions of Revelation with you, all right, so that we understand where we're at as we get into Revelation chapter 12. Revelation's divided up into three sections. We've already covered a bunch of this. Revelations chapter, Revelation chapters 1 through 3 picture the church age, right? Because he goes through the, the, to the seven churches. And we know that those don't apply to us doctrinally because those churches are warned that if they don't repent, God's going to take them out, right? And so doctrinally, when you look at the doctrine to those churches, obviously those are seven churches in the tribulation period that he's speaking to in Revelation chapters 1 through 3. But the obvious picture is, dispensationally speaking, the church age. As you go into Revelation chapter 4, a door is open in heaven and the church disappears and doesn't show back up again. And in Revelation chapters 4 through 19, you got the tribulation period. Now, we're going through the tribulation period in Revelation 4 through 19 four times, okay? This shouldn't shock you or be a surprise to you at all or be hard to understand because when God gave you the first advent of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he gave it to you how many times, right? So when he's given you the second advent of Jesus Christ, he does it on four accounts. Revelation 4 through 19 is those four times he takes us start to finish through the book of Revelation, through the, uh, t- uh, the tribulation period. So we just finished a second time, which is chapter 11. So the first time you've got the seals, which is chapters 4 through 6, and I'll leave this up for you if you want to come get it after, after the service or take a picture of it or whatever, uh, that's fine. I won't erase it. It'll be up here the whole time. The second time is the trumpets. That's chapters 7 through 11, which we just finished. Now what we're fixing to start in chapter 12 is the fourth time through the tribulation period, but this time we're focusing on the wonderful ministry of the Antichrist. So, Joy, we're going to look at the tribulation period in chapters 12 through 14, which is obviously, whether you look at it from a seven or a three and a half year, we know this when you look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, To the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times, that's two, a time is one, times is two, and half a time, that's three and a half years, from the face of the serpent. So, what we're seeing for sure is the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Okay? So, if you're, a seven, if you're looking at it that it's seven years from the time of the rapture to the end of the trib then this is right in the middle of the tribulation period. If you agree with the whole fact that the first three and a half years of peace already occurred during the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, do you understand that it really doesn't make a difference as far as how the seals and vials and all that stuff lays out? Because both arguments are good and both arguments have a lot of verses to defend them, but either way it doesn't change your doctrine. Are you following me on that? It's not going to matter. So if the first three and a half years of the trib, because Messiah was cut off in the midst of the weeks, thank you, and if that was the life and ministry of Christ, then whatever, it's not going to change anything. But if you believe that from the time of the rapture, the tribulation begins and it runs for seven years from then, then we're halfway through the rapture right now and it's the last three and a half. Are you following me? So that's where we're at in Revelation chapter 12. And then in Revelation chapters 16 through 19, we'll see the vials or bulls. Then in chapters 20 through 22, we'll see the millennium and the new heavens and new earth into eternity future. That makes sense? So keep a picture of this or a copy of this. And when you're reading through Revelation yourself or doing studies later, this will kind of help you get your bearings. And I, I just wanted to give you that real quick. Sorry if it's overly simplistic, but I think it's really important that we have our bearings figuring out kind of where we're at. And not kind of forgetting because it's very easy as you go through this to sort of get lost in the sauce. You know what I mean? And I want to make sure that we know where we're at when we start Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. 
This is literal, just so you know. And I'm going to show you, we're not going to get very far at all tonight. Uh, we're actually going to have to circle back next week and overlap some of these verses because I've got way more material than I can get to even tonight. And there's a lot more to go. i got a lot more to show you about these seven heads and the crowns on them. And it's shocking the way we, the way we broke down the seven churches and you trace that back to the time of Christ and up to the present. And you see how those churches, as you go through the tribulation period, line up with history in the church age. It's wild. The seven heads with the crowns line up also with history in the world. Satan is the god of this world and the empires of this world. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing, folks. So this is a literal deal here. There's nothing in here that tells you that says like or as. You see, the, the, there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, uh, like a great red dragon, as a great red dragon. You see that? It just says, behold, a great red dragon. So if you fit in there like or as by saying, well, this is just a, you know, it's an, it's an analogy and it's a metaphor and you're correcting the word of God. The Bible says there appears a wonder in heaven and a great red dragon having seven, seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and he cast them to the earth. Now, we're not going to make it this far tonight, I'm sure of it. But that has not happened yet. What you hear in church and what you hear these guys say, they get it from Milton's Paradise Lost. It ain't Bible. They say that this was the fall of Lucifer back then. It drives me crazy. And he cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God to this throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God and there's that, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Do the math. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So you got more than one name for him. He's a dragon. He's a serpent, an old serpent. He's the devil and he's Satan, and they're all the same guy. There's just different names for him. Which devoureth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. <coughs> Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath a short time. Now, we'll, we'll come back to that later, but uh, there's a lot being said here. Uh, Satan had five I wills. And what we're going to see as we go through this, and I'll show you when we get to it, but you're going to see five demotions of Satan. God slowly but surely demotes him five different times. He said, I will, five times. And God said, no, you won't, five times. And now you're coming down to the end, and he's let loose on this planet, and he is so furious, he's just, he knows he's losing his power, and what he's got left, he's unleashing on this earth. And when the dragon saw that he was cast out to the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might... Fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. Seeing a lot about floods going on nowadays. It's just a warm-up. It's just him getting people ready so that they won't see it in the tribulation. Probably. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. See that? Now watch. Which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Were you told to do that for your salvation? Keep the commandments and have faith? No, you get it by faith alone. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. I pray that you'd help me as we go through this passage of Scripture. And I ask you, God, to open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. 
I pray that you'd enable me to do what no man can do, which is teach these things. God, it's the Spirit of God that can do it. So be with my mind and be with my mouth. And I pray you'd open up the understanding of your people. Help me to teach it in a way that doesn't confuse folks, but gives them, uh, Lord, faith, increased faith in the Word of God and a proper focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you're, you're coming up to the second half of the tribulation period here, and we're going to start looking at the ministry of, uh, of the Antichrist. And it's funny to me that, you know, the Bible tells us, Paul says, we're not ignorant of his devices, right? Um, there's nothing the devil wants more than people ignorant of who he is and how he works. So he's not going to like this teaching at all. He's not going to like these verses. So what he does is he has his preachers, his ministers, that appear as ministers of righteousness that are nothing of the kind. Um, and what they do is they twist the scriptures. They'll tell you that this great woman, there's a great wonder in, have, in heaven, a woman clothed under the sun. You know who they tell you that is? They say that's Mary. Why? Well, good, you should laugh. I don't know who laughed, but that's good. Well, they say that because she's about to bring forth a man-child, and it's pretty obvious who the man-child is. If you look at verse number 5, she brought forth a man-child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Well, we know who that is, right? And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. You know who that is, right? That's Jesus Christ. So they say, well, this has got to be Mother Mary. So you go into the religious bookstore, you go to buy some kind of nice little religious picture, and you see a picture of Mother Mary, and she's standing on the moon, and the sun is behind her, and stars are over her head. And that's the biggest crock of baloney you've ever seen in your life. That ain't Mary, the mother of Jesus. This woman is not Mary, and it can't be Mary. It's an absolute joke to say it is Mary. Nothing else in this passage fits Mary. The only thing that could fit Mary is verse 5. Outside of that, when you run down through this thing, nothing else fits Mary. Where did you see Mary you know, being attacked by the devil like that and fleeing out into the wilderness and all the rest of that stuff? Where does the Bible liken Mary to the sun, the moon, and the stars? I'm telling you, this ain't Mary. That's hogwash. That's what the Catholics will tell you it is. But the Protestants, a lot of the Baptists, believe it or not, they'll come to this passage and tell you this great woman is the church, which is another big crock of baloney. The church is never referred to as a woman. I'll show you what the church is referred to. Look at Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. We'll just let God be true, but every man a liar, right? And we'll figure out who this woman is, and we'll figure out who this, this dragon is, and we'll run all the references, and we'll know for sure when we get through Revelation chapter 12, 100% what it's talking about. It's not like, Revelation's so hard to understand. You're lazy. Turn in the scriptures and look the references up, and then you'll figure it out. The greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So let's just let the Bible tell us what all this stuff means and put away with all the baloney that men come up with. It's just a joke. Revelation chapter 21, look at verse 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the, last, uh, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the... What's the bride? Uh, who, who is it? It's whose wife? The lamb's wife. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. You're Gentiles, right? The church is a Gentile. It's Jew and Gentile in one body. It ain't about just the Jews. Well, what's Song of Solomon all about? It's a Jew that married a woman that wasn't a Jew. That's you and me. That's the picture. You're called the bride, the lamb's wife. Look at something else in verse, uh, Revelation 21, verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city... New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a, what did it say? But you missed the first part. Prepared as a, it's a literal city. We'll get into this as we go through Revelation. It's a literal city, and when you do the dimensions on it, I think it's something like uh, Miami, or at least halfway down through Florida, Orlando, maybe all the way up to Saginaw or a little farther. That's how big this one city is, and it's equally as wide and as high. I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of God the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. The, you and I are going to dwell in a city, and we'll get to it when we go through here, whose builder and maker is God. 
And that thing is so unbelievably humongous. And he said, if you're doing right, if you're saved, if you're part of the bride in his father's house, there are many mansions. A friend of mine was texting me earlier, and he, he was, his mom's not been doing very well. She's about to pass away. And I texted him the next morning. I forget what day it was. And I said, how's your mom? And he said, uh, he said the Lord's putting the finishing touches on her mansion. That's a blessing. You know, I thought, well, I just wonder if that's actually true. It's possible. Why not? That's a wild thought to me that God's got this place. It's prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Uh, look at verse 10. He carried me away in the spirit in a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now, I'm going to show you another passage on that in just a minute. But while we're here in Revelation, look at Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Revelation twenty-two fourteen. It says, Blessed are they that do His commandments. You see that? That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now, now wait a minute. That city's your city. You've got eternal security. You've already got salvation. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you already have eternal life eternal life. So as we go through this stuff and I show you people that can lose their salvation in the millennium and I show you people that uh, can lose their salvation in the tribulation period, don't even ask if it's you. If you need to ask, ask me, okay? I'm just saying it's not you. You have eternal life. You are never going to die. That city is yours. That is the new Jerusalem. And the book of Galatians, I got the reference here somewhere. The book of Galatians tells us that she's the mother of us all. All right, um, let me show you a couple of things about the church. Go to Revelation chapter 2. She's called a bride. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians 11. You guys, I know some of you think I'm getting sick. I'm not getting sick, okay? And I'm not losing my mind. I think about 10 things at one time, and I've always operated that way, so forgive me. 2 Corinthians 11, 2. We're talking about the church not being referred to in the Bible as a woman. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste what? Virgin to Christ. That's the church. You guys, Revelation 12, 1 is not, that woman is not the church and it's not Mary. The church is never referred to as a woman. She's referred to as a bride. She's referred to as the body of Christ. She's referred to as a chaste virgin, but she's not referred to as a woman. But I will show you who is referred to as a woman. Uh, go with me, if you would, please. I want you to see uh, Genesis chapter 37. Just letting the Bible interpret the Bible, right? That's how you know that the preacher's telling you the truth. He, he's not afraid to turn to those references and show you that stuff, and he doesn't privately interpret the Scriptures. No prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. That's why you get this garbage. Well, that's your interpretation, and we all have our own interpretation. And like, where did you get that from? Who told you something stupid like that? Who's your dumb Bible teacher? I'm I'm serious. I don't care how many degrees he has. Who is the dumb guy that taught you the Bible? Everybody's got a different interpretation. And you know, around here, we don't really get into doctrine because people see it differently, and we all have different interpretations. And well, you're a stupid idiot. Because that's not how God... I'm not being mean. I'm just being truthful. You're an idiot. Look, if you're... Listen, I'm not calling you... I'm not attacking some church member. You understand that? My little thing was me acting out what some preacher says. He's a stupid idiot. How lazy can a preacher be? And how much of a wicked motive does a guy have that won't land anywhere when it comes to doctrine? Because he doesn't want to offend you. Trying to figure out, well, what do you think it is? Well, what do you mean? Well, yes, that could be. Well, everybody has a different interpretation. I'm sure you want my tithe now, right? You stinking dog. The Bible's not, the prophecy of the scripture is not of any private interpretation. And if a man's called to preach and teach the Bible to you, then his authority is the Bible. And he's going to answer to the Lord Jesus Christ and he's going to love God enough and fear God enough and then love you enough to tell you the truth whether you like it or not. Whether you come back or not, whether you, I'm going to keep my tithe and go somewhere, go somewhere else and keep your tithe. I don't care. I've had people sit in my own church. I, get, I know it for a fact. 
People sit in my own church, and since they got an attitude towards me or towards whatever, they send their tithe on to support missionaries. They send their tithe to me. You'll answer to God for it when you get to heaven. I don't give a flip. Amen? As long as you're sitting here, there's hope for you. So good. I'm glad you're here. And, you know, God bless you, deadbeat. You know, go ahead and do whatever you want with your money. Amen. We'll love you anyways. We're not about that stuff. Kind of a preacher actually just mealy-mouthing little sissified your interpretation. Don't care about your interpretation, and you shouldn't care about mine. You compare scripture with scripture and spiritual things with spiritual, and you let God be true and every man a liar. And that's what we believe around here. That's why we land on the doctrines we land on. That's why I tell you, you're not going to be here for the tribulation. Why? Because we interpret the Bible by the Bible. Genesis chapter 37, I gave you plenty of time to find it. If you're struggling to find Genesis, uh, see me after church. We've got to start with the basics. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee and to the earth? Now, wait a minute. Who are the eleven stars? That's the tribes, ain't it? Who's the sun and the moon? That's mom and dad. You know who this woman is in Revelation chapter 12 according to that? We're talking about Israel. I'll show you more. That's not all. Go with me, if you would, please, to the book of Hosea. (laughs) I cheated. (laughs) That's the advantage I got because I studied before. Hosea chapter number 2. I'm sorry, I'm a little... It's a good morning this morning. I'm a little... I'm physically tired, but I'm pumped up inside. I'm feeling good. Hosea chapter 2, look at verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence in the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the days when she came up out of the land of Egypt. You see what he's saying in verse 14? I will allure her. Come on, honey. He's alluring her. And it's a woman. And bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. You see that? You know what he's doing? He's, he's, he's calling a woman out into the wilderness. Now, now watch this. This is wild stuff. Look at verse 2. Plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. That's her father talking. That's, that's his father talking. And he's telling the children, plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore, be put, uh, let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. I will not have mercy upon her children, for they will be children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot, she hath conceived them. She that conceived them hath done, uh, hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water and my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. You know who that is? That's Israel. You know what she did? She cheated on God. Go to Jeremiah chapter 3. It gets worse. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 3. Look at verse 8. Jeremiah 3, 8. And I saw for when all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, and I put her, a woman, I put her away and, and given her a bill of divorcement. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went also and played the harlot also. Folks, do you realize that God the Father's divorced? And then these, these, these shallow preachers 
that can't seem to read a Bible get up and say that if a preacher's divorced, he's not qualified to continue to be a pastor because he's supposed to be the husband of one wife. Well, look, if a guy's like, yeah, I'm sick of her, can't take her anymore, I'm done because she's annoying and drives him nuts and, you know, he's like, man, I was stupid, but I married her. And then he just divorces her? Yeah, I think he's disqualified himself from the ministry. If he steps out on her because he's sick of her and he's a stinking pervert and he steps out on his wife and he's an adulterer, then yes, he's, he's, not, dis, he's not qualified to stay in the pulpit. But do you know a lot of guys that are pastoring churches that God's used are divorced pastors? You know, in some cases, their wives just abandon them. They just say, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to be in the ministry. I'm sick of this. And they just go. Do you know they get put under pressure from the devil like you wouldn't believe? Can I just say this? And it wasn't in my notes, and she's going to get mad at me. But would you pray for your pastor's wife? And not because, you know, she's falling apart or nothing. But because the devil always goes after preacher's wives. And they didn't sign up for it. They just fell in love with that idiot who God called to be a pastor, and now they're stuck, you know? And that's not how my wife feels about it. She's a blessing to me and a blessing to this church and does way more than anybody will ever know that she does while she juggles everything else she juggles at the same time. But I know preachers whose wives said, forget it. I know preachers whose wives step out on them. And you know what the Bible says? That if she commits fornication or you commit fornication, you've already married yourself to another and they have a right to divorce in that case if they want to. There's three reasons you can be remarried and be right with God. Number one, your spouse died. Number two, your spouse stepped out on you. And number three, your spouse just abandoned you and that's that. Now, if you're here tonight and you don't fall under one of those three categories, put it under the blood and move on. Don't beat yourself up like, oh, I got an unbiblical divorce, and what does that mean to the wife I have now? And oh, and start panicking, okay? Relax. You know, a lot of tomfoolery gets pe- preached from the pulpits and messes people up. So the Roman Catholic Church puts this pressure on them to not get divorced and this pressure on them to let God plan their family. Can I say that tactfully for you? You know what the motive of that is? The same motive the Mormons have to have multiple wives and the same motive the Muslims have to have multiple wives. You know what the whole motive is? It's money. What do you mean by that? Well, those are family-oriented religions. So the more kids you have, the more that church grows. And your kids grow up and get jobs, and they're pushed to give. Uh, Anyways, that's free. God's divorced. I'm not advocating divorce. Have you guys heard about uh, the gray divorce? There's studies done on how many people nowadays are getting divorced after 30 and 40 years of marriage. It's called the gray divorce. And it's the baby boomers from 59 to 77 that are getting divorced in mass. Like the numbers are skyrocketing. And then it's funny to me that correlated with that is depression and mental health issues and financial issues and everything else. God hates putting away and he told you that in Malachi. You don't just put somebody away because you can't get along or because you're sick of them. And and it's better if you can, even if you have a biblical reason, if you can forgive and reconcile, that is always better. But if you can't, then God says, all right, move on. God divorced Israel. That make you feel better? All right. So that's the woman. Go to Isaiah chapter 50. Go back one book, Isaiah, then Jeremiah, Isaiah chapter 50. Look at verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, your iniquities have, uh, behold for your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and, your transgressions is your mother, uh, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. So God has divorced Israel because of her unfaithfulness to him. And when you get over here into the book of Revelation, guess what's going to happen? God's going to bring her back. He broke her off. That's Romans. We'll get into it as we go through Romans. And he graft you in. And you know what he's going to do to you? He's going to break the Gentiles off, not you if you're saved. He's going to break the Gentiles off, and he's going to go get his bride and bring her back. And that's what he's doing in the tribulation period, because when Lucifer comes out after her to wipe her out, he's going to show up as her savior. As the king, the king they crucified. And the Bible tells you that a nation is going to be born in a day. That's those dry bones in Ezekiel. 
Go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. I find this highly coincidental. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Look at verse 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them up, beareth them on wings, on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. You're in the Song of Moses, and it's coincidental to me that God talks about an eagle stirring up her nest, fluttering over her youngs, bearing her on wings, and in Revelation chapter 12, he tells this woman to fly on wings. Well, maybe airplanes out into the wilderness. They're to hide when this thing happens and when this begins to break loose. Go to Galatians chapter number 4 on our way back to Revelation, please. Galatians chapter number 4. Now, you're not a woman. You're not referred to as a woman, but Israel is repeatedly. I just literally scratched the surface of the references in the Old Testament showing you that Israel is referred to as a woman. And the connection to the sun, moon, and stars is in Genesis 37, and it's talking about Israel. Galatians chapter 4, uh, look at verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is what? The mother of us all. You're not referred to as a woman. The mother of us all is that new Jerusalem that we looked at in Revelation chapter 12. Are you staying with me or am I confusing you half to death? So this woman, folks, is obviously, according to the Bible, this woman is obviously Israel and not you and I. And God is obviously warning her about something to come and getting her out of harm's way. Go back to Revelation chapter 12. She's going to survive this thing, but barely. So there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. That's the 12 tribes. You can't miss it. Verse 2. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. Now, first of all, before we get in here, in verse number two, there's a couple references that I want you to see. You can write them down if you want, or turn with me if you wish to. Go to Romans chapter one. It's real quick. These are easy ones to find. And then I want to get into some references here on the devil, and we'll kind of scratch the surface on that and set it up for next week, okay? Revelation chapter 1, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Did I say Revelation before? No? Okay, good. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, see it? Jesus Christ, our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations. Notice, which was made of the seed of David, of the seed of David she being great with child, that she is the seed of David, that's Israel, right? Look at another one. I'll show you so we just... Can't miss it. Galatians chapter 3. You couldn't miss it if you tried to miss it. Galatians chapter 3. Look at verse 16. See, this is what makes me mad, guys. You can't miss it unless you want to miss it. And then they tell you that that's Mary or that that's the church. It's hogwash. Revelation's not hard to understand. You just have to be willing to run the references and do the work. It's not hard. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his... Seed where the promise is made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is. That's the woman bringing forth in, in Revelation 12 too. She being great with child, travailing in pain, in birth and pain to be delivered. So that's a wonder that appears in heaven. And there's a second wonder that shows up. There appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. Now, get that in your mind. What a wild sight that's got to be. You guys, you got to understand there's a spiritual dimension to all this that you've never laid eyes on before. And it's as real as you and I are, but you can't tune into it yet. And you ought to be glad you can't. And you ought to stay away from anything and everything that helps you do it. 
And I do believe the television and your cell phones and everything else is something that probably helps you do it. You ever see how much on TV correlates with this Bible? I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I got a lot of things I wonder. I'll just be quiet because I'll freak you out and I don't want to do that. So Revelation chapter 12 verse 3. So here's a wonder in heaven that shows up and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. Now they'll tell you that this isn't literal. What you're looking at is the current state of Lucifer. That's, that's what he looks like. That's who he is. That is literal. Now, I'll show you the references, and we're going to turn to some stuff in the Bible. But what you first of all have to understand is Satan is not a fallen angel. How many of you heard refer to Satan as a fallen angel? Let me see your hands. You've been taught that, or you've heard somebody else that believes that, or whatever. Satan is not a fallen angel. He's a cherub. There's a huge difference. Cherubs have wings. Angels in the Bible don't ever have wings. I'll never forget years ago, somebody got mad at my dad at church and got into a big fight with him over angels having wings. What a dumb thing to have a fight over. And my dad humored him and tried to show him and all that stuff, and then he wound up leaving the church mad and started his own church. Good luck to his people. Genesis chapter 3. First time the word cherub shows up in your Bible. Chronologically, or, or according to the canon of Scripture, not not according to the date. Genesis three twenty four. It's a cherubims are a powerful being. This is what I want you to grab a hold of. We'll look at some references on them and their connection to God. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. When God wanted to make sure nobody could get to the tree of life at all, he put cherubims in front of it, blocking it out. And that's the first reference in your Bible. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 22. I'm going to try to move fast because I've got a few references to show you. In one passage, I'd like to park it in for just a little while. Um, so we'll bump through these real quick if that's all right. 2 Samuel 22, look at verse 11. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Ain't that weird? And he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He's riding upon a cherub. <laughs> That's some kind of being, ain't it? Look at 2 Kings 19. Keep going to your right, 2 Kings 19. Look at verse 15. Well, that's 20. That's why it's a bad reference. 1915. Here we go. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, in all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. It's a pretty weird connection. You can go home and run the references in your Bible about cherubims, and you'll see that those things are not angels. Go to Psalm chapter 99. There's a lot more we could give on cherubims, but we're not going to because I want to show you another passage that really spells the devil out to you and you understand who he is and what he does and what he looks like. And it'll be good for some of you kids to not understand this. So, the Lord reigneth, Psalm 99.1, Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. Folks, those are holy beings and angelic beings up in the third heaven and they got wings, and they're not angels. Ezekiel chapter 10, please. Ezekiel chapter 10. Verse 1, And I looked, then I looked, and behold, in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubims, there, was a, there appeared over them, as it were, a sapphire stone, and the appearance of the likeness of a throne. Verse 2, And he spake unto the man clothed with linen, and said, Go in between the wheels even under the cherub, and fill thine hand with coals of fire from between the cherubims, and scatter them over the city. And he went in in my sight. Now the cherubim stood on the right side of the house when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner chamber. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud. And the cloud was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory, and the sound of the cherubim's wings, not angels, 
was heard even to the outer course as the voice of the Almighty God when he speaketh. And it came to pass that when he had commanded the man clothed with linen, saying, Take fire from between the wheels. That's, that's weird, ain't it? You guys ever see pictures of UFOs? Yes. They're like a wheel and they got lights all the way around. <laughs> it's weird, huh? That's, that's, what this, that's what this thing, the word picture this thing is showing you is something like that. The sound of the cherubim's wings were heard even to the outer court. As the voice of the Almighty God may speaketh, verse 6, And it came to pass that when he had commanded the man with clothed with linen, said, Take fire from between the wheels and from between the cherubims. Then he went in and stood beside the wheels. And one cherub stretched forth his hand from between the, the cherubims under the fire that was between the cherubims and took thereof and put it into the hands of him that was clothed with linen, who took it and went out. And there appeared in the cherubims the form of a man's hand under their wings. And when I looked, behold, the four wheels by the cherubims, one wheel by one cherub, another wheel by another cherub, and the appearance of the wheels is of the color of the barrel of stone. What's all that, preacher? Beats the fire out of me. Go to Ezekiel 28. All I want you to know is that there's something very supernatural about these things, and there's a lot to be said that we're going to not get into right now, but there's something very powerful and very supernatural about them. And they're not angels. They're different. Now, Ezekiel chapter 28, watch this. Look at verse, uh, let's start in verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was created in thee in the day that thou was created. Ain't it funny that when you smoke dope, you smoke it out of a pipe? Ain't it funny that when you play music, you play them out of pipes? Thou art the anointed what? That covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the voice of thy merchandise, they filled the midst of thee with violence. Money. By the, excuse me. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. You know what's a funny thing to me? That device you hold in your hand is all about making everything look beautiful. You can take a picture of yourself, and then you can make it just take away all the flaws, and it doesn't even look like you. You guys know anybody, and you see them post this stupid stuff on social media, and you go, I just saw her the other day, and that is not what she looks like. <laughs> yeah, amen. He's all about making it look beautiful, because he was beautiful, and he wants to make it look pretty. You know what he is? He's a cherub. He's as wicked as they come. Let me show you some more passages. Go to the book of Job, please. Grab Psalms in one hand and Job in the other. I'm going to go to Psalm 74 in a second. Go to Job 41. Running out of time. I've got to hurry up. Go to Job 41 and get Psalm 74, 14. We'll come back to that in just a second. So don't forget that beast you saw has seven heads and, and uh, ten horns and seven crowns on his heads, right? So Job chapter 41. Now, now, here's what these same dirty dogs will tell you. They'll tell you that Leviathan is some kind of a sea monster or a hippopotamus or an alligator or a crocodile or something like that. Because they're stupid. Yes, I just said that. If I had a way to say it with more bite to it, I would. And I can't cuss, so that would bite too, but I'm not doing that. So I'm a Christian first of all, and second of all, I'm in a pulpit. So if there's a way to say it with more bite, I would. You're an idiot when you think this is a, a crocodile. And some of your study Bibles, that's the note they'll give you. And so your commentaries will do the same thing. This is not a crocodile. Canst thou draw Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord that thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose, or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make supplications of, unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he make a covenant with thee? 
Wilt thou take him for a servant forever? Wilt thou play with him as a bird, or wilt thou bind him for thy maidens? Shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall they part him among the merchants, make a banquet of him, eat him? I know, I've had gator tail, have you? Have you ever had gator tail? Man, it's so good. If you ever go to Florida, get gator tail. It's awesome. I think it's just because it's fried. I don't know if it's the meat really or not, but the way they fry it, and I never eat it unless I go down there. So it's really good. Yeah, yeah, God, we will. We'll grab a crocodile. We'll grab an alligator. We'll eat it. We'll kill it. Men do that all the time. A hippopotamus. <laughs> a hippo, that's a hippopotamus. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll kill one. Sure, no problem. Find me an animal anywhere men can't kill. One. You find me one animal a man can't kill. Look at Psalms. Did you get Psalm 74? Keep your finger here and Job are coming right back. Look at Psalm 74. The devil don't want you to know this stuff about himself. That's why he inspires all his commentary, his haters, and all his ministers of righteousness to get up there and pretend like they're good with you and they're good with Jesus. And they, he wants to give you the vaccination. He wants to give you enough about himself to where you'll just overlook the reality. That's what I tell you about the gospel. They say, you know, this, nowadays the modern church, instead of saying, look, look, you need to get saved. Do you understand why you need to get saved? Because you're a sinner. And if you don't get saved because of your sin, you're going to split hell wide open and burn for eternity in the lake of fire. That place was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was not prepared for you. If your preacher won't preach that from the pulpit, he's a devil. Did you hear me? He's a devil if he won't say that from the pulpit. He's a minister, a Lucifer. Well, will you take your next steps with Jesus this morning? What the heck does that mean? I, I asked Jesus, do you believe in Jesus? Will you believe? Fill out a card and come get baptized. He's a devil. He's not giving them the truth. Look, the devils believe and tremble. Lucifer doesn't, I'll show you in a minute. But the devils, they believe the gospel and they believe the Lord so much they shake. The question is, have you been born again? Not, well, I believe in Jesus. I've accepted Christ. What does that mean? What were you getting saved from? Psalm 74, 14. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Look at verse 13. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength, thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Back to Job 41. You know what God does with Leviathan? With that dragon that has seven heads in the tribulation? He smites one of those heads that gets wounded. And he uses that head, that smitten head of the dragon, to feed his people. They're eating the devil's head. It's manna in the wilderness from God. Ain't that a trip? Back in Job, 6, Job 41, verse 6, shall the companions make a banquet of him? This ain't a crocodile. Canst thou fill his, sin with barbed, his skin with barbed irons? Yes. Crocodile I can. Hippopotamus I can. Or his head with fish spears? Sure. You guys like watching them guys down there in Louisiana and stuff? Them guys are crazy, man. Stinking so cool. I'd love to do that someday as long as you put me in some kind of body armor and you know, put me up real safe, nice and high where I can't fall in the water and get ate by all the moccasins and the alligators. And Yeah, this is a crocodile. Who is this guy that's teaching this stuff? Literally, who, if you're listening to Bible teachers like that, who is he? Look at verse 9. Oh, verse 8. Lay thy hand upon him. Remember the battle. Do no more. Yes, we can cast out devils. You are a devil. Give me a devil my size and I'll whoop him. Speak over him in Jesus' name. Yeah, I was thinking watching some guy down south, some idiot apostate down south who used to be a Bible believer and went crazy because he got so much. He got the devil's platform through YouTube and Instagram and social media and all that stuff and became big and viral and then his church grew. 
and the devil got him all off track and he went from being a Bible believer to a nut. And now he thinks he can cast out demons and he's got some whack-a-mole woman that works with him who's more manly than he is, walking around laying her hands on kids and, and, and then pushing them and like, like, I can feel it. Oh, you got an anointing from God. You're going to do this, that, and the other thing. She's an idiot. You guys ever notice what they do with that stuff? The men always become effeminate and then the woman preachers strut around like they're lesbian. I'm telling you, God is in this place. And he's over there. It's just so great to see you all. I'm just, Jesus loves us. And it's, that's, a, that's the devil turning everything, trying to turn everything upside down and just reject all authority that God gives and just mess it all up. Drives me crazy. I don't know where it came from, but it's free. So let's just, oh, let me skip down. Verse 18, by his niecings, a light doth shine. You know what a niece is? It's a sneeze. When he exhales, a light shines, and his eyes are as the eyelids of the morning. Look at verse 19. Out of his mouth go burning lamps, and sparks of fire leap out, and out of his nostrils goeth smoke, as out of the seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of his mouth. Did you guys see what I read to you earlier? I did it on purpose and didn't necessarily draw your attention to it, but did you see the cloud where the Lord shows up? Did you see the smoke of incense that comes up when they're burning the dead bodies of beheaded saints in the tribulation period to, to the Antichrist in the temple and the prayers of the saints are coming up as an odor before the Lord? The devil copycats everything Jesus Christ does. He's got a city. I'll show you soon in Revelation 17. He's got a bride. And he's got smoke. He's a dragon, folks. Right? Cigarettes aren't in the Bible. You haven't read your Bible. You ever watch them breathe it out and see the smoke come out like that? Now, I'm not saying if you smoke, you're demon-possessed. If you smoke, you need to quit, okay? It's not good for you. But who do you think is inspiring you to ruin that temple that God gave you? And where do you think that thing come from, kids? You know better. You look like the devil, I'm not going to say his name in case I get the story wrong, but I remember reading about a preacher who was lost looking for the truth, and he, at night he come by and the priest was standing there on the front porch, and he lit up a cigarette, and he was talking to the younger man at the time, and he took a big drag off it, breathed it out like that, and the smoke come out, and the light behind him, the silhouette of that thing with the smoke coming out that guy's nose, that lost man got creeped out, said something was wrong. When he looked at that priest like that, he said, that ain't right. And wound up being a, I don't want to say his name in case I'm wrong, but the greatest Bible teacher around. There's something about it, folks. Ain't that wild? Uh, you ever read the story, you ever see the sword in the stone? See that movie? Watch. Verse 22, And his neck remained his strength, and sorrow is turned into joy before him. Sorrow is turned into joy before him. Sorrow is turned into joy Come on, man, take a hit of this. Come on, man, it'll be all right. Take a hit. Oh, it's just, you know, love is love. I'm not leaving my wife. I can love two women. You know what that is? Do you know what that is? That's sorrow. When you mess with sin, you know what you're messing with? You're messing with a heartbreak. And you know what he does with sorrow? He makes it look to you like it's fun. Look, I'm not trying to be too hard on you, but ladies, the devil will get in your head and tell you that you got a right to divorce him. Well, is he abusing somebody? If he's abusing somebody, doing something illegal, yeah, we'll help you out. Yes, your loving pastor. I don't put up with that kind of stuff. Is he stepping out on you? You know, you got a couple of biblical reasons. Outside of that, it's better for you to stick it out, pray your guts out fast, and ask God to get a hold of them. Brother, I'm telling you what right now. The devil will make it look like it's fun. Oh, she's so sweet, and she's so, and she'll flatter you, and you're so stupid. You're just as male as I am, and we're so stupid. 
you believe what she says and don't stop to think it's a demon speaking through her. You do know the devil can do that, right? Sure. I'm just saying he turns sorrow into joy. So these people flaunt their sin in your face and act like they're having a great time and you sit back and look at it and say, how could they live like that and have so much fun? And here I am trying to do right and I'm so miserable. That's demonic. He makes sin look fun because he knows how to shapeshift. We're talking about the devil now. Look at verse 24. i got to let you go. Look at verse 24. His heart is as firm as a stone. Yea, as hard as a piece of the nether milestone. He will inspire his people to tear an innocent, pure, godly woman to absolute shreds and not care. Take pregnant women. I didn't even scratch the surface this morning on the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Take pregnant women and rip the babies out of their wombs and chop the baby up in front of the mama while she's laying there dying herself and not care. And in mixed company, I can't tell you the things that they have done and will do as their father, the devil, leads them to wipe you out for being a Christian. And that's in the church age that's happened. His heart is as uh, firm as a stone, yet his heart is a piece of the nether mile, millstone. Funny he uses the word millstone. You offend a little one, it's better for you than the millstone be tied around your neck. Verse 25, when he raiseth up himself, the mighty are afraid. By reasons of breakings, they purify themselves. Verse 26, the sword and the stone. The sword of him that layeth at him cannot hold. The spear, the dart, nor the herbergian. He esteemeth iron as straw, and brass as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned with him into stubble. Darts are counted as stubble. He laugheth at the shaking of the spear. Sharp stones are under him. He spreadeth uh, sharp things abroad upon the mire. He maketh the deep. I don't have time to run the references, but that's at the waters at the top of outer space. And above those waters is frozen sea of glass. He maketh the deep to boil like a pot. He maketh the sea like a pot of ointment. He maketh a path to shine after him. One would think the deep to be hoary, white. That's how fast he's moving. As he's, that's, not, that's not the ocean, guys. The water, and we'll get to it later, more than likely. The water at the top of outer space, where God divided the water from the waters in Genesis, that, the amount of water that's up there makes the stuff down here look like somebody spit on the sidewalk. And he's moving through that and makes it look white. Look at verse 33. Upon earth is not his like. On earth is not his equal. Martin Luther. Who is made without fear. Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of Lucifer. Don't fear God. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Well, on that positive note, have you looked around lately? You just came through the month of June. You know, that's not a thing just for the United States. That's a worldwide thing. I wonder who's running this show right now. I wonder who their father is when they take the, the rainbow that God said, I'll never again destroy the earth with water, and they flaunt it in God's face... For the thing God drowned the world out, one of the sins they were committing was the very sin that they use now as their badge of honor to flaunt it in God's face. And then they call it Pride Month. I hope you'd lose your job before you'd let them make you wear a stinking badge. I hope you'd lose your job before you let them hang it on your desk. Fire me. What about the house, honey? I'll sell drugs. That's more honest than stinking walking around with them badges on me. We'll figure it out. God will take care of us. But I sure hope you'd lose your job before you'd come in under that kind of pressure. And trust God to meet your need because God will. And thank God you're not getting torn with flesh hooks. I mean, at least yet. Well, that could happen. All right, on that very positive note, we're going to stop for tonight. Here's what I want you to understand. You're not to be ignorant of the devil or ignorant of his devices. But you are not told to fear him. He said, lay thy hand upon him, remember the battle, and do no more. So don't go out of here and obsess about the devil. Don't worry about the devil. Don't look it up on YouTube. Don't study it from the internet. 
study it from the Bible. Come back next Sunday night. We'll study it some more from the Bible. And that's the safe way to learn about your enemy. And then you won't fall prey to his devices. And then what you do is you submit yourself to God. Therefore, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So it's all about staying close to Jesus Christ. And thank God we saw it in the passage. We're going to rejoice because the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Uh, the devil, that old serpent, the dragon, and Satan. All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father.